And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Did that entire thing with my back to the camera. Isn't that how? That's professional. Professional old Chad here in his blue pants and his too big V-neck t-shirt. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good? Doing well? You're doing well, not good. Doing well? I am also fine. <laughs> Right up there with fine. I spent all day at work. My work, if I mentioned this before, involves me watching a bunch of TV shows or movies. And I spent all day watching the first 48. I watched about, I have about 20 some odd episodes that I have to get through. I probably got through, I probably, in total this past week, I've had maybe 30 something. Anyway, I watched about 12 today. I just banged them out. <laughs> Some of them, admittedly, two of them were at twice the speed. I just couldn't handle it. It was near the end of the day. I said, I got to get out of this funk of murder, all homicide. Any hoosers. So I got home. I said, I got to watch a cartoon. I got to watch something, Great British Bake Off, something to get my mind off of it. Turned on an episode of Craig at a Creek that was an homage to Pokemon. I think it was called The Evolution of Craig. And then there was another one, uh, a show, a new show entirely I watched on Cartoon Network called Infinity Train. I just want to mention this in passing. It's a, it's a, it, was a, it was a pilot in 2016, an animated pilot. Cartoon Network picked it up for a miniseries. And then the miniseries aired last month in August. I watched one episode, uh, did some research on it. Found out this is, and I, I just finished watching the episode maybe seven minutes ago. Doesn't matter. None of that matters because you can't. You don't even know what time it is. It's uh, five twenty-eight on November. Nope, September set twelfth. <laughs> Anyways, so I watched it and I did some research and found out that the miniseries got picked up for a TV show, which is needless. So let's just let it be a miniseries. It sounds like they came to a good conclusion, but now they're gonna, you know, force it into a TV show. Uh, ten episodes. It was picked up. Uh, it, was, it was ten episodes for the miniseries. Now the full series, I guess. I don't know, it's gonna be long, but it's a great show. It's about a young girl who's. And it's a very dark pilot. The pilot, not not the pilot that came out in twenty sixteen, the short film, but the this uh, the first pilot episode they aired on Cartoon Network. Very very dark. This little, this girl's parents. She this girl wants to go to a, a camp. It's the only light in her life she has. She's a coder, and so she wants to go to this game coding camp and then uh, find out that her parents are divorced <laughs> and they're fighting and they, and uh, she doesn't want to, and her dad's not in the picture anymore. <laughs> it's very sad. And they just, and this, the exposition is just forthright. Uh, great. Really good writing. I liked it a lot. I can't wait to watch episode two later on this evening before the presidential debates uh, uh, for, the, for the Democrats going to be on ABC and Univision. Uh, I assume I can watch it at some point. <laughs> Infinity Train. Also went to a wedding this weekend up in uh, Homer, Georgia. And if you've never heard of Homer, Georgia, stay away. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to the topics at hand. I got some stuff to talk about. Open it up on Firefox because uh, I'm deleting my cookies uh, every single time. <laughs> If, I, yeah, if you delete, if you if you have Firefox, you can get some uh, plugins where you can delete your cookies. This is very illegal. I suggest you don't do this. But right now, I do not have a subscription to uh, New York Times. I will get it, and maybe tomorrow, most likely tomorrow. At this point, most likely tomorrow. But 
for now in order for me to read this story <laughs> i have to break into it i could have i could have told you something else but i'm not doing that i'm a very truthful boy and like those people in the first 48 they get into the interrogation room and they're just lying all over the place okay so this uh, first topic is uh, courtesy of new york times Apple uh, front loads its app store with its own apps conspiracy. Now, this is not the title of the, uh, the thing, but notice that every if I ever read something that I don't acknowledge is the title of the story, uh, notice that's what I put down in my notes. That's probably what I put down in my notes when I put down in the podcast. So there you go. little uh, tip for you there. Written by, let's scroll all the way to the bottom because it's a visual story. Written by Jack Nickus and Keith Collins. Now, I'm not going to go over the entire thing, but the gist of it is that if you search for something that Apple makes, you know, uh, something along the lines of what Apple makes. So if you search for podcasts is what they used, uh, then in the, in the iTunes, in the App Store, then what you'll see is the first result, which is Apple Podcasts. Okay, makes sense. Next result is going to be something that Apple makes called Compass. After that, find my friends then tips, Apple TV, Apple Watch, files, iTunes Store, home, a bunch of other things. Uh, whereas in an app store, you would search podcasts and you're supposed to get a bunch of podcasting apps. Like if I go on my Pixel right now, a Pixel to Excel, I, <laughs> I, would, I should be able to go to the Play Store and find uh, podcasts, type in podcasts. And it's fine if I get Google Podcasts first, but I should get Pocket Casts and uh, the other <laughs> Winamp. <laughs> What do people use Spotify to to get podcasts? Um, and uh, so this person scrolled through, uh, and he says, "This is said." He says, "On some days, you would have to scroll through as many as fourteen Apple apps before finding one made by a different publisher." How Apple's apps topped rivals in the App Store it controls, and uh, and and they have another graph that shows it uh, gradually. The results in 2016, Apple Music, before Apple Music arrived on the App Store, Spotify was for years the first result when we searched music. And then in uh, 2013, that was in 2013. And then in 2016, Apple Music launches, Spotify jumps down to number four, Apple Music is number one. And then as the years grow on, then uh, Spotify jumps down to about eight. And Apple Music stays at number one, but it's joined up there with GarageBand, Music Memos, iTunes Remote, Logic Remote, iTunes Store. And then Spotify, as the years go on, and now we're in 2019, Spotify it jumps back up because uh, Spotify complained to the European regulators in March that Apple was abusing its role as a gatekeeper in the App Store. And that's, kind of, that's the antitrust stuff. Uh, and, and you can complain about that stuff in Europe and usually win. The company is facing the most direct legal challenge in the United States to the clout it has built up through its app store. In May, the Supreme Court voted five to four to allow an antitrust class action against Apple to move forward, saying customer consumers should be able to should be allowed. I can't I can't read today uh, to try to prove that the technology giant had used a monopoly power to raise the prices of iPhone apps. And uh, as it goes on, as you go on, you uh, learn about all the different types of ways that Apple was uh, futzing with its algorithm. Futzing, F-U-T-Z-I-N-G. That is a Yiddish word. I'm going to look it up. Let's see. I think it is. Futzing. I believe it to be. Futzing. It is Yiddish. Is it? Futz. Waste time. Idle. Aimlessly. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I guess I used it wrong. I've I use wrong I use words wrong all the time. I use wrong all the words. I use wrong all the words. <sighs> I'm very tired from watching all that forty eight hours. It's uh Wall Street Journal. Also found that Apple apps regularly ranked first for many searches and analysis of 600 searches over two days in June. Can you imagine that being your job for uh, two days straight just or like as a as a journalist? Oh, speaking of the Wall Street Journal, a little dalliance here. I, uh, they had a Labor Day sale. They had a Labor Day sale. And it ended yesterday. And it was $1 for two months. I had been wanting to use the Wall Street Journal app for so long. I even downloaded it, I think, two months ago, and I and I was getting like the alerts and everything, and then and then I realized that it was too much because I already have New York Times, Washington Post, and NPR, so I, I deleted it. Uh, Wall Street Journal is usually twenty eight dollars per month, uh, and then or you can get it can be fifteen ninety nine per month, but you have to be subscribed for a year. So I did the one dollar for two months. I get, yeah, this happened yesterday, last night. I I go, all right, I'm so excited. I'm going to read the Washington Post. And I go to the website, and it's, I mean, it's just, it's just like, the, it's like the New York Times, which I read every day, New York Times, but it's uh, just a little bit more bland. <laughs> it's mostly markets and stuff, which I'm, I'm a fan of markets. I love business, uh, but I just can't. It's the driest of dry. It's like if you overbake a chicken breast so i will continue but i've been but i've been uh, forcing myself to read the articles on there really good writing really good reporting just yeah <laughs> yeah who knows maybe some uh, news will break like nintendo news breaks over there all the time video game stuff i apple stuff android stuff breaks there over time so <laughs> who knows i'll be reading it anyway <laughs> No, that matters. Oh, also, speaking of things that happened in the news world, uh, The Atlantic is now a paid subscription platform reading material website. They did it. They announced it last week, the day I recorded. Uh, well, I, was at, I was at work when I was reading about it. I forgot to mention last week's episode. But it's $5 a month, essentially. So 60 bucks if you want print and digital. 60 bucks a year or 50 bucks a year if you just want digital. I mean, but I, I would rather pay the extra $10 for the print. <laughs> but five bucks a month, essentially. And it's the same thing. It's just to keep them, it's to keep their journalists paid, which I'm all for. However, The Atlantic has been around since 1817, I believe. I think they just celebrated a birthday of some sort. So they've been around for close to, they've been around for 102 years, essentially 102, 103 years. Uh, and it sucks to have to, for this website, I was literally reading like that and New York times. So I, I was reading those every single day. And then to, to get to this, my free website that is, that is just no longer free. I mean, it sucks, but I love the Atlantic. They, they do have great writers, uh, a lot of white people, uh, a lot of white men. And, and <laughs> I really wish that it would go back to free, but nothing's going to be free forever. All right, let's continue on with this story, <laughs> the Apple story. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Just, just check it out. Just check it out. Apple is really doing some stuff. And this is, you know, there's more to the antitrust thing, but you, you get the gist of what they're doing, of what's happening, uh, what they're doing when it comes to this type of stuff. But 
this is kind of what what happens if like uh, for example um AT&T or T-Mobile T-Mobile has a partnership with or no 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 oh, okay AT&T bought Time Warner Time Warner turns itself to Warner Media Warner Media owns HBO uh HBO now comes free HBO now the things subscribed to for $15 a month comes uh free with AT&T's uh, cell phone service and direct TV now, and you get discounts to direct TV now. And so you get all that stuff uh, with your phone thing. Uh, but you also have a Netflix account and a Hulu account uh, connected to your AT&T. You try to stream uh, HBO now. It looks great. It's not throttled or anything, but you try to stream Netflix or Hulu and it looks terrible on your AT&T phone. Uh, and they, it's because they are throttling. That means they're taking data away, making it slower, making it buffer more. So you have to use DirecTV now or HBO now. Uh, that's essentially what the antitrust stuff is coming up with or what, what they're arguing about now. Uh, and some, and some other stuff, you know, it's not just that, but, but there's a lot of other stuff. Uh, let's move on. This is a story I read earlier this week. I believe it was the first thing I put on uh, this, whatchamacallit, this list of my, this Google Doc. It is called YouTube Creators are, Jesus, (laughs) these ads, YouTube Creators are turning, you turn off your ads for some news sites because you want to support these people and then... (laughs) And all of a sudden, you get ads out the butt. I got a giant ad for a website I already go to for a podcast website called Vox. I love Vox. Vox is great. They have this podcast ad up here from Today Explained. I go to The Verge, and there's just a giant banner ad, which really pisses me off. So don't do that, or else I'll turn ad block back on. YouTube creators are turning the site into a podcast network written by Julia Alexander. I've read her stuff before. She's wonderful. So this is an article talking about Logan Paul, Marquise, Marquez Brownlee, uh, who I've chastised on this podcast a couple episodes ago, and Emma Chamberlain, as well as a bunch of other YouTubers who are now creating podcasts. Uh, YouTubers are quite possibly the rock stars of this generation. Uh, not not my generation, but the younger gen- the generation below me, uh, which is which is a feat. <laughs> and they're probably bigger rock stars than the people from my parents' generation. Yeah. So you have people like the H3, Ethan and Hilla Klein from H3 Podcasts or Marquez Brownlee creating these, you know, whatever they do, they're going to get supported no matter what. It could be the most bland, basic level thing and they're going to get supported no matter what. And this article from Julia Alexander, is talking about how the podcast can pull in millions of views, so much revenue from advertisers, in so little time. Marquez just started his podcast. I don't know what it's called. Oh, I, I tried to listen to an episode yesterday, but it was not interesting. Uh, what is it called? I don't know. Uh, but it comes out like every other week. And uh, But then you have something like H3 Podcast or Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan Experience that are the ones pulling in millions and millions and millions of views a week. And they, they're just insane. Uh, and then she also talks about how the podcasts have their own channels. And then, they, then the channels for those podcasts have separate channels. So something like H3 Podcasts, it can have 
uh, a main channel where they do sketches and then another channel for the podcast and then another channel for podcast highlights, which isn't the full episodes of the podcast uh, that still get millions of views, millions of subscribers. Creating a separate channel for clips lets podcasters take advantage of YouTube's recommendation algorithm, which services content on specific subjects a viewer is already interested in. This is very true. I've been suckered into that. I've watched a couple of H3, H3 clips because of interviews with people like Gus Johnson or, um, I don't know. Who else is a YouTube person? I don't know. Marquez. I've watched an interview with him. There you go. Uh, YouTubers are are utilizing this because they know they have people that just want to see them talk, like people that'll just sit down and watch them do anything. It has also been easy for popular creators with built-in audiences to move their existing fans over to new channels. David Dobrik and Jason Nash, who I've interviewed on this very website, a pair of popular vloggers with 14 million collective subscribers, host a podcast called Views that gets more than a million downloads an episode from audio listeners alone, according to Dobrik. A YouTube channel for the podcast has more than 550,000 subscribers. That's uh, That number has been outdone by the likes of people like PewDiePie or uh, you know other people, but still 550. And if you get solid views, I mean, that's still a nice, nice pocket change right there. Creators know that YouTube is a valuable tool for developing and growing podcasts, but YouTube hasn't implemented any product changes to embrace the development. Instead, the communal growth that personalities are seeing comes from their initiatives, collaborations, and understanding of how to use YouTube to their advantage. Podcasting is huge right now. Podcasting, I read an article, I think, I, you know what? Uh, it's not this article. I read a different article that said that podcasts, pod, there are, uh, oh, it's a it's an article that's coming out, that's coming up a little bit later. Uh, podcasts, there are seven hundred over 750,000 and they're you know being created every day and then we have brands creating podcasts mcdonald's has one uh lyft has one trader joe's has one it's really popular uh, everybody's got a podcast um i i'd venture to say in 10 years it, no you know what i would say in a couple of years especially with people and podcasters treating shows like in seasons i guarantee there's going to be you know in a couple of years, will podcasts will be like TV shows. Will uh, it'll have, it'll have you know it ha- already has the big stars coming to it. But now there's going to be bigger money because of people like Conan, because of people like Mark Marin, who's been around since the beginning. Uh, but you know people like Conan and uh, Hannibal Burris and and Trevor Noah and Lena Dunham over there at Luminary Podcast doing those things. So yeah. Podcasting's huge, 750,000 in the world, more coming. Treat them, they're going to be treated like shows. Oh, boy. And uh, it's just going to be a catastrophe. It's going to be just like TV. There's a, you, we think there's a lot of streaming shows. There's a lot of podcasts and a lot of high-quality made ones. Even, you know, S-Town, which was a crappy podcast, or uh, Missing Richard Simmons, which is a just a bad podcast was produced really well. Just just the subject matter and the way it, it took on the subject matter didn't work out. Okay, listen, we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll get on with this. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. I guess I should turn to the camera when I do this. Well, I'll find a setup, but right now, this is the best setup I can do. If you're watching the video, I would urge you to watch it over at youtube.com slash comedy or cpluscomedy.com in the podcast section. I had two more ideas. Well, no, I had one more idea for a podcast, but then I also have a couple more ideas. I put them all in this Google Doc. But this other idea, oh, man. 
So, oh no, I did have two more ideas. So I have, I have several more ideas for another podcast, for other podcasts that would again be treated in seasons. Uh, but one of them, oh man, I looked up a title. I, I came up with a perfect title, looked it up. Uh, it didn't exist. It didn't like that version of the show didn't exist. I looked it up on uh, Pocket Cast and Google and that version of the show didn't exist, but it did have, but there are other titles with it in the name. And then I was like, where did I get that name from? I looked it up and it was a board game and I went, crap. Oh, I, I was so mad. So uh, hopefully I can, <laughs> I'll figure out a better title or I'll use that title as a matter. Uh, let's keep moving on with this podcast thing. This comes from the LA Times written uh, by Wendy Lee. The staff writer, good for her. Uh, Don Ostroff's plan to turn Spotify into the ultimate podcast hub. That sounded like a slight when I said good for her. <laughs> it wasn't, I promise you. Uh, I don't know if you can hear. I left the ESPN on in the living room. I don't know if you can hear it, but I hope you can't. I don't know why I left it on. I live alone, and it doesn't matter <laughs> if I'm in here recording a podcast or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, the new podcast, the new CEO, CCO, the chief content officer. Get, check this out. I read this article this morning at, I was at work at 8 a.m., so maybe I read it around 8.30. I read it around 8.30, I, and, uh, I, I, and I, was, I was busy trying to load up the video, the shows I was going to, first 48 episodes I was going to watch into my premiere at work. And so I was, I was essentially skimming this, and I remember that she was a CCO. Amazing. Dawn Ostroff. <laughs> I can't do math for the life of me, but I remember this woman was a CCO, who, a name I've never read. Uh, under her watch, the number of podcasts available on Spotify has grown to more than 450,000 titles, up from 185,000 in February. The company, with offices in New York and L.A., has uh, earmarked up to $500 million this year to buy podcast-related businesses. Yeah, yeah, we already know that, uh, which is talking about. And then Ostroff uh, snapped up podcast studios, including Gimlet and Parcast. Of course, yeah, we already know this stuff. This is stuff right now. Uh, 220, 32 million monthly active view users, uh, podcasts are especially popular with millennials, people ages 25 to 34 with one third of podcast listeners in that age group consuming at least five podcasts a week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> five. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> According to research from Adobe Analytics, <laughs> five. What is this? Child's play. <laughs> the movie that came out. I want to see that movie. The new one. Uh, but Spotify is significant competition from Apple, which has offered podcasts as platform since 2005. Many discovered podcasts through Apple's podcast app, which supplies more than 750,000 podcast shows. Apple doesn't charge a subscription for his app and has yet to launch its own exclusive original pod productions and podcasts, although Ostroff is aware of the rumors. And uh, she's basically it's basically just a profile of what Ostroff is doing. Uh, and also her career, which I'm skimming right now. I don't think I finished her article this morning. And it's just talking about what she's doing in the podcast space for Spotify. Uh, I think Spotify is most likely the only company that can take on Apple when it comes to podcasts. But here's the thing. Apple, uh, especially with the iTunes store and its head start, that is where people discover podcasts, as I read earlier. If you go, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, if you go to Conan's 
uh, Apple Podcast page alone and you read the reviews or you look at the number of reviews that's done, it's got like 6,000 reviews. Mark Maron's podcast has like 12. You know, it's just the more reviews you have and the more positive ones you have, the more listeners and downloads you'll get. That's why people say rate, review, subscribe. <sighs> so podcasting is very big. Seriously, and I I would not be surprised in, if in... Um, couple years it's just like it's it's become it's it, it went from this free thing and and now we're having to pay stitcher premium so i can get the back catalog for comedy bang bang which up until three years ago it was free but now i'm paying five dollars a month so i can listen to episodes from two thousand from three years ago <laughs> you know it just it, it doesn't make sense it's it sucks it really does but whatever Don Ostroff doing the, not the Lord's work, but doing something. This next one comes from the New York Times. We're going back over to the New York Times. My favorite publication. I would say the Atlantic is my second favorite. Oh my God. No, it's gone. It says page not found. That is embarrassing. So what do I do in this situation? This has never happened to me before. I'm always, I'm always afraid this will happen. But this has never happened to me before. This is very strange. I did. I oh my god! You know what? I read an article about this. Is, this is a fall preview. Uh, film fall preview. Oh Jesus! Okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do, Chad? <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, all right. You know what? We're gonna think on our think on our feet. <laughs> We're gonna think on our feet. All right, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> I gaffed so hard. Okay. They changed the URL for this. They changed the URL for it, I believe. I believe that's what they did. Or maybe it's because I deleted a part of it. Yeah, it's because I deleted a part of it. Okay, it's my fault. It's my fault. I take it back. This <laughs> goes from the New York Times. This is embarrassing. Written by Manola Dargis and A.O. Scott, the chief critics, I believe. The top critics at the movies, it's the best of times and the worst of times. Again, so, the, oh, Jesus, I thought I was going to scroll. Uh, we hear that movies, the uh, movie theaters aren't doing so well. And we hear that it's because of Netflix, essentially, more, more or less Netflix. Because we don't, we don't have to leave our homes anymore to watch movies, to watch high quality movies. Uh, this, this is a, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say listicle, but it's kind of like a summation as to why the movies are suffering, but also why movies are doing well. So the bad thing is that Disney, one of the bad things is something I've been harping on. Disney is dominant and it's, and it's just, and right now in the world, it's just Disney creating movies. Uh, I believe there's something in here that says, uh, Fox, uh, oh, here it is. Okay. Uh, Disney's profits are stunning, if no longer surprising. By mid-August, it had five movies that are ranked in a billion a piece, uh, a billion a piece this year alone. By late August, it had thirty-six point five percent of the domestic box office. Universal had thirteen point nine percent. Fox, uh, which Disney owns, had a three point seven percent. Now, here's something interesting: Disney's dominance and strategically restricted output it conquered the what oh wait hold on okay okay disney may be planning a similar strategy for fox because it only because disney only released 10 movies this year and they made you know five of them made a billion dollars over a billion dollars well over uh in 2018 fox released 12 movies 
In 2014, it had 17. Disney has already slashed Fox's production by shutting down Fox 2000, a division that put out mid-range non-franchise movies like Hidden Figures, which is which wouldn't exist without studios like Fox 2000 or Annapurna or Blumhouse, <laughs> the theaters, uh, the uh, institutions that matter. Another division, Fox Searchlight, which brings in awards, seems safe. Good. Uh, the the good one of the good things is that. They are are studios that are acting like indie studios. So if Universal isn't able to produce a billion dollar, I don't want to say Universal, but yeah, yeah, I guess. If Universal is not able to produce a billion dollar hit, then maybe just maybe they'll start putting out movies like Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Jordan Peele's Us or Dexter Fletcher's Rocket Man. Who is that guy? He directed the movie, obviously, but who's that guy? Uh, where those movies don't have to be, you're never going to see another Us. Like, Us is its own thing. Uh, you're never going to see that movie again. <laughs> this camera just shut off next to me, <laughs> and I don't know why. You're never going to see Us ever again. But you're never going to see Rocket Man. You're going to see movies like it, but you'll never have to see. I'm just going to turn this camera on. This is embarrassing. Take a little break from the podcast to make sure this equipment is working right. You're never going to see us. You're never going to see Rocket Man. You'll never see. You'll see a movie like Rocket Man. You'll see Bohemian Rhapsody, which came out before Rocket Man, uh, which probably existed around the same time. Elton John was a Taron Egerton's Elton John was uh, rumored to appear in Bohemian Rhapsody for a scene. Uh, they're like supposed to walk by because they because they, they happen concurrently, but uh, they deemed it. I believe this is what I heard. I read they deemed it too distracting or something like that. I don't know. <sighs> so Disney is not going to be able to put out small movies uh, because it's not going to do well because they're not going to earn them money. So why would you put out a small movie? Anyway, that's essential to that. Uh, bad thing is Netflix is keeping us on our sofa. They're putting out, you know, decent caliber movies, but then they're also putting out movies like Roma or Martin Scorsese's, uh, the Irishman, which is coming out this year. Noah Baumbach's marriage story, which is coming out this year. There's going to be these wonderful films that, you know, (laughs) for if they want them to be Oscar contenders, they're going to put them in theaters for a couple of weeks, but they're not going to be in a theater near you. If you don't live in Atlanta, New York, Chicago, L.A., uh, if you don't live in a big city, essentially, they're not going to put them in a se- at a art theater near you. They're not going to put them in your AMC's, your big old AMC's. So yeah, Netflix is putting out decent movies. Amazon even. Well, well, see the thing about Amazon is when they release movies in theaters, they release, release them in theaters and they treat them like real movies, regular movies, and you don't see them on the service until like late the movie Late Night, Mindy Kaling's Late Night that she wrote and starred in. I think she wrote it. Oh. <laughs> uh, that movie just got to Amazon. And it's been like it came out in January. It was at South by, I believe. I think it was at South by. But it came out in January 2019. And now it's September. That's nine months. So it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to watch. And, it, and this is digital. So now I don't even know if it's out on Blu-ray. DVD like I'm a homeless person. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, the good thing is we're going out to movies. Uh, the movie, there are 26 movies in the- theaters in, oh, a study in 2018 uh, found that patrons were seeing move, more movies than they did six years earlier. 
That's pretty good. 26 movie movies in theaters in 2013 compared to 35 last year. Most moviegoers see three or four. Hmm. It's pretty nice. The uptick is partly because companies like A24 and Neon release movies like Eighth Grade and Three Identical Strangers, the documentary about the triplets that once may have been put out by big studio divisions like Warner Independent Pictures and Paramount Vantage, which were shut down or disappeared. Didn't know what shutdown is. And then movie tickets didn't uh, explode in price. Movie tickets generally remained at nine dollars and eleven cents. Nine eleven. This is nine twelve. <laughs> Second run theaters can be even better deals. Uh, if you go to if second run theaters, and I cannot urge this, a dollar theater is probably one of the best bets. I love a good dollar theater. There's a dollar theater uh, up in Roswell where I, came, where I lived, where I came from, where I lived for most of my life, uh, for all of my life. Um, and it is uh, a great theater. Um, when I went, when I was younger, it wasn't like it was just for people who had like kids and just wanted a cheap movie to go see and, and, and they didn't mind seeing a movie that came out four months ago and just paying a dollar for a ticket and going in there. Uh, like I, I went to it recently when I went to go see a friend. <laughs> I think I told the story before I went to go see a friend. He's a musician. Uh, he's performing a rap show at a bar <laughs> and, uh, I showed up on time when he said what time the show started. I showed up on time at 7 o'clock. Uh, he was not there. He's like, oh, I go on at 10.30. I said, great. I uh, sat out there for an hour before I called him and did that. Uh, then at 8 o'clock, I said, you know what? I'll go to the Dollar Theater because it's around here. Went to Dollar Theater, saw Captain Marvel. Never would have. I never, ever, ever would have seen Captain Marvel had it not been for that night. <laughs> but I walked in. The movie had just started. I paid a dollar. I think I paid. It was close to $2. It was like $1.75 or something like that. And I paid with change from my car. It was wonderful. I walked in. I was like, what movie's playing? Captain Marvel. I didn't want to see it. Uh, okay, let's see. Bad, the industry is still mostly white and male. We know. I don't have to talk about that. We know. Good. There are encouraging signs of change. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, and then all that stuff. And all that stuff. All right. So uh, that's a great article. Definitely check it out. See why movies are failing. It's a very easy read. And then the last thing, where movies are failing and prevailing. And the last thing, I actually, I had, I figured this out. I had to close down Firefox earlier today when I was reading these stories, and then open it back up when I was on LA Times uh, because it knew that I was not a subscriber close firefox you know what screw it i'll open it up on chrome and nobody will know <laughs> this comes from la times the final story the end of the back end disney wants to limit profit participation on its new shows this is from steven battaglio battaglio and wendy lee all right so there's a magic number when it comes to tv shows this is let's let's not let's pretend this is 2008 and we're doing regular things and Netflix is just a DVD delivery service and we're just doing regular things. All right. We're watching TV on cable. Uh, we're watching it with antennas over broadcast and asking only those are the only two ways you can watch it. And Hulu is free. 
Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> that is a bear. Stop it. Stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not crazy because if you say, if you're, ta- if, if you're talking to Google, you can go stop or okay, stop or whatever, whatever. Who, who knows? Anyway, so th- that's the only way you're watching TV. Uh, there's a thing called syndication. And a show reaches syndication uh, at 65 if it's a cartoon or 100 if it's a network show. And, and by network, I mean like, you know, modern family, stuff like that. But, you know, syndication is still for cable, I believe, the same number, 100. So like always Sunny's in syndication. That's why that's why something like Viceland can buy or uh, Comedy Central can buy uh, old episodes of Always Sunny and air seasons one through ten. You know, or Family Guy. That's why they can. That's why Adult Swim can do Family Guy stuff like that. Anyway, a hundred episodes, hundred episodes, and that's the number you want to reach because once you reach that point, say your Modern Family. This is true. If say your Modern Family, you reach a hundred episodes, uh, you can get so much money. If you're a, a main, if you're a main actor, uh, if you are a producer, if you're a creator, you can get so much money from the back end because your show outlasted other shows which is, and you typically reach 100 episodes if you're five seasons in uh and you want you want that app you want to reach syndication goldberg's in syndication the uh let's see um i think the fresh prince might be definitely it should be it should be uh, uh big bang theory that's the show i was thinking about but disney is wanting to change that because we have streaming now and the thing about streaming is you're not guaranteed to reach 100. You're not even guaranteed to reach 10. You, you can do, Netflix will cancel your show in three seasons, which is part and why this is happening. Uh, as of this summer, Disney is pressing TV producers and other profit participants in its shows to accept a new formula offering profits sooner in exchange for complete control of any future licensing revenue. The LA Times has learned from a conversation with my agents and attorneys and union representatives. Such deals would limit the financial windfall a major hit like The Simpsons or Grey's Anatomy could generate. And The Simpsons and Grey's Anatomy have been going on for 31 and I believe 16 years, respectively. Disney wants its payment system in place as it approaches the launch date of its streaming service, Disney Plus, scheduled for November. I had the word date in there. Although Netflix and Amazon have been making such deals for the last few years, Disney would be the first legacy media company to require them all for new TV shows, whether on cable, broadcast, or streaming. The change would could make it easier for other studios to follow suit, given Disney's dominant role in the TV production business as the owner of 21st Century Fox TV, ABC Studios, and Fox 21. While some have signed these deals, others have balked. Sources said Disney is asking producers to accept contracts that would give them a share of profits starting in the second year of a series, according to a Fox contract documented, document attained by The Times. Producers will also be eligible for a series of bonus payments based on a show's success and longevity. The trade-offs, and here's the kicker, is that Disney would control all licensing of the series to local TV stations, cable networks, streaming services, foreign broadcasters, essentially buying out whatever share of profits are generated by sources. So what this means is that you can make 100 episodes of a show. You won't get money from the back end, which includes merchandising and and, uh, reruns and stuff. Uh, And Disney would take all of that money. So you would get paid essentially up front. And the thing is, a little later in the article, the deal is saying that you get paid a little bit more than what you would usually get paid. So like if I... If uh, if I make a show and I get paid twenty bucks, they're gonna pay me thirty bucks. But 
if uh, if that show reaches a hundred episodes and I could have made you know a hundred bucks, why would I make more? <laughs> I could have why would I make that much more? I would make more, but why would I make that much more? Uh, uh, but if I was gonna get, but if I got paid twenty five bucks, and in the back end I could have been paid, you know, uh, eighty bucks, then I'm losing that money entirely. So I would just get the thirty bucks, and I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't see, you know, uh, anything. Period. This, this is bad. This is gonna pay creators, actors, producers way less than they should be paid. I hit the microphone my lip, and I got scared a little bit. I jumped back. Uh, the deal was uh, was told first reported by Deadline in July. People are skeptical, especially producers. This person, uh, a Propgate content chairman, Ben Silverman, who owns the uh, U.S. version <laughs> of The Office, says they didn't punish Lucille Ball when I Love Lucy was a massive hit 20 years after it was canceled. I would go so far as say I Love Lucy was still a hit when I was a child. And that was, you know, I'm 26, that was 16 years ago. <laughs> uh, essentially what that means is that it can run 10,000 times on their streaming service and it can run 10,000 times on their own network. They can sell tons of advertising, tons of subscriptions, and you won't get any money, period. This is bad. Competitors see Disney's move as a way to lure creators. So there, I mean, again, that's where they say, "Hey, you get you get this more, you get more money up front, but you're not gonna in the back." You don't want that to happen. You don't want Disney. This is why you don't want Disney owning owning everything. Uh, you, you know, the people who let's let's look at Friends. This is in the article. Friends, all those actors and the creators, Mark Kaufman and David Kaufman. They all saw every single person, uh, every name in that show saw residuals. And this, yeah, residuals. The thing about residuals, um, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, every name in that show saw, since Netflix wanted to keep Friends for another year, they saw, and, the, and Netflix paid $100 million, I believe, to NBC Universal for that. They saw some of that money. Everybody saw some of that money. Uh, now let's get to residuals. John August, his podcast, uh, Script Notes. Is that it? Yeah, I believe that's what it is. He and Craig Mazin and Aline Brosh McKenna were talking about this week, in this week's episode, uh, we're talking about um, writers essentially getting paid for the job they do. Uh, Aline, oh God, what is her name? Uh, the writer for Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians, the woman... I believe her name is not Rachel Chu. That's racist. (laughs) Uh, John Chu is the director. I don't know why I said Rachel Chu. Rachel Chu is one of the characters, right? Her name is Rachel Chu. Oh, God, I freaking knew it. Adele Lim. Adele Lim uh, was hired to write the, uh, the sequel. Uh, well, she was brought on the right sequel, and there's a white guy that was also brought on. She wrote the original movie with this white guy, and then uh, they brought back. So, so the people who did the movie brought back uh, both of them, uh, both the white guy and her, but they offered him a million and some change for for writing for writing the sequel, and they offered her a hundred and ten thousand um, dollars. If you're a first-time writer, $110,000 is, 
I think the SAG minimum, or the I'm sorry, the uh, the Writers Guild minimum. I think it's 110 or 117. Uh, don't quote me on that. I believe it's. I know it's in the triple digits, but I think it's 110 or 117. And she was offered the minimum, even though she's been around, even though she has a contract with Disney to write um, the uh, the next movie, the this movie uh, or TV show, this TV show. I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, let's see. She left the movie anyway. Yeah. Okay. You just don't, you, you, this is why you don't want Disney owning everything. You don't want Disney setting a trend for, for these things. Cause this is bad. (laughs) People have to get paid. Like imagine if you didn't get paid for your job, for the, for the job you do. Like if you didn't get paid, what you think you should get paid? Okay. All right. It's dinner time. Uh, listen, if you like what you heard here, head on over to the website, seaplescomedy.com where there are great things happening <laughs> and new podcasts on the horizon. Hopefully we'll see what happens. I'm very lazy. I'm not definitely wait for that stuff to come out. Uh, if you like what you heard here, no, if you want to see a video version of the podcast, head over to youtube.com slash people's comedy or YouTube or www.com constitutionals. I uh, subscribe to this podcast as well as the application and other podcasts on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, pocket casts, Stitcher premium, Stitcher, Stitcher, excuse me, <laughs> wherever you want to get your podcast. That's where I am, baby. Uh, also on YouTube.com. So plus comedy is the premier premiere <laughs> premiere show <laughs> for C plus comedy called news time. News time is uh, like the daily show for the internet, and it's air, but it's entertainment news. It's way less funny. Definitely check it out. I was naked in this one. It was it's talking about um, oh the ESPN body issue. This is the last ESPN magazine, so I did a little naked thing. Also found out that uh, Sports Center, the Sports Center turned forty. Uh, on last Saturday, and I, and I was like, "Dang, I should do an episode about that," but it's too late. Um, so I'll do that in a couple of weeks, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Simples Comedy. Me on Instagram and Twitter at Chad Black White. Like us on Facebook. That is the end of the episode. I'll see you later, baby.